what's up guys you're now listening to devo with uncle theo today is day 52 and we're going to be covering numbers 19 and 20. i got my special guest back mr dustin mills is in the house how you doing brother blessed man we're so glad to have you back you don't know how valuable your input is the practical application you bring to the podcast not only helps the people but your presence and your interaction helps me. Praise the uh, Lord. It brings my personality out to even to the point where my mother-in-law thinks I'm a different person. For sure. <laughs> All right. So where we are today, we've covered a lot of numbers and you hopped in some of numbers with us. But since then, the people have been disobedient. In fact, he's taught several lessons to Israel. The most recent lesson he taught was people got together to rebel against Moses and Aaron and the ground opens up and swallows them. And we ended last basically with worship because it says in the Psalms, there's a Psalm written by the sons of Korah and they say, though the earth shall change, we will worship God. And so that's them reflecting on their ancestors and saying, wow, we won't be like them. We'll worship God. We'll obey him. We'll take him at his word. And we'll stay in our lane from here on out. And so I thought that was just some really good practical lessons that we've learned so far. But immediately after that, bro, they didn't get in line. The people rebelled. They got mad. They said, like, why did you take out our leaders? So they rebelled against Aaron and Moses. And so God just came through and slaughtered 14,000 people. And, they, and Moses had to stand in the gap. And this is where we are now. They're moving forward again. In chapter 19, we get an introduction of something interesting, the red heifer. It says in verse one, then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, this is the statute of the law, which the Lord has commanded saying, speak to the sons of Israel that they bring you an unblemished red heifer in which there is no defect and which a yoke has never been placed. And you shall give it to Eliezer, the priest. And it shall be brought beside the camp and be slaughtered in his presence. Next, Eliezer the priest shall take some of the blood with his finger and sprinkle some of the blood toward the front of the tent of the meeting seven times. Then they should dip this. They should take cedar wood and hyssop and scarlet material and cast it in the midst of the burning heifer. And so you really get a purification right here. And this red heifer is meant for purification of the tabernacle. And one argument that has been proposed here is that because of this disobedient generation, and you got so many people dying off, God is killing people off left and right, that this red helper makes the holy place sacred. It purifies it. And so with so many encounters with unclean people, this red heifer keeps the tabernacle clean and you use this as a means to purify the tabernacle, which is interesting. But the part that I want to bring up is people get infatuated with this red heifer. In fact, since it was so vital in cleansing the tabernacle and it hadn't been used since the second temple. So futurists who talk about a third temple being built, say it'll be built on the backs of the red heifer. And so they're looking for this red heifer 
because they'll be able to inaugurate the temple with that and cleanse the temple. And so you see people on a search for it or people who are trying to genetically modify a, a red heifer and come up with it. Have you heard of these examples or these cases? No, absolutely. All you have to do is type in red heifer on YouTube <laughs> and you'll get all kinds of videos. One interesting thing is I was thinking, why is the red heifer so special? Couldn't they just go to any farm and find a red heifer? Mm -hmm. But interestingly, supposedly that breed has died off. God actually killed that breed off. And so, but yeah, they're still looking for a red heifer to usher in that third time. Man, that is so interesting. And just this reddish brown cow stirs up so much interest from people. And that's where it all comes from. If you ever hear that, it comes from right here in chapter 19 of Numbers. And then we move into chapter 20 and we get the death of some very important figures who have been with us ever since Exodus. You get the death of Miriam in verse one. It says, then the sons of Israel, the whole congregation came to the wilderness of Zen on the first month and the people stayed at Kadesh. Now Miriam died there and was buried there. Our leader of the women, remember when they split the Red Sea, she led out the women in song and timbrel dancing because of her position. Women looked up to her. In fact, she's called a prophetess in scripture and we just see her die off. And that should resonate with us because she was important and she won't be able to enter the promised land. And it's amplifying God's holiness of him saying, look, I'll be treated as holy and I'll follow my word on out, even by showing you not only am I killing all Israel, you're seeing your leaders die off too. And we're about to see even Aaron. He's about to die in this chapter as well. But sandwiched in between both of these deaths is another test. It's the water at Meribah. And it says in verse two, that there was no water for the congregation and they assembled themselves against Moses and Aaron. The people thus contended with Moses and spoke saying, if we only had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord, why then have you brought the Lord's assembly into this wilderness for us and our beasts to die here? Why have you made us come up from Egypt to bring us in this wretched place? It is not the place of grain of figs of vines or pomegranates nor is there water to drink then moses and aaron came in from the presence of the assembly to the doorway of the tent of meeting and fell on their faces then the glory of the lord appeared to them and the lord spoke to moses saying take the rod and you and your brother aaron assemble the congregation and notice what he says here and speak to the rock before their eyes that it may yield water you shall thus bring forth water from them out of the rock and let the congregation and their beasts drink. So Moses took the rod before the Lord, just as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly before the rock. And he said to them, listen, you rebels, shall we bring forth water for you out of this rock? Then, most, then Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod and water came forth abundantly and the congregations and their beasts drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you have not believed me to treat me as holy in the sight of the sons of Israel, therefore you will not bring this assembly into the land which I have given to them. 
And so it seems there was an opportunity for Moses and Aaron to go in with the second generation, along with Caleb and Joshua, who gave a good report. But because this sin here at Mirabah, they're not able to enter. But it's two things that strike me when I read this. One, he disobeys God and strikes the rock, but the water comes out, bro. Speak to his graciousness in that, how Moses is disobedient, but even in his disobedience, God still provides for his people. And it's amazing. We see that every day. It says that the reason why Christ came is to forgive us of our sin. Our desire should be to be sinless, just like he was, but he gives us grace for in between. He still takes care of us when we fail him, which is beautiful. I believe sometimes the people back in these times had it a little rougher than us. And we, sure. And we take it for granted a lot of times. I know I can say in my life I had. I tend to pick on Israel. I tend to pick on Peter. I tend to pick on a lot of these people and saying, man, they couldn't get right. Something that humbles me, they are more obedient than me without the Holy Spirit indwelling in them. Amen. And that makes me sit my tail down somewhere because I'm, I'm looking at it. I got 66 books. I have the Holy Spirit dwelling in me and I still commit some of the same mistakes that they did. And so that just humbles me as a believer. And it makes me learn from their mistakes and, and look at what they're doing. But I don't dare raise my finger at and point at them as if I'm other than or I couldn't commit the same sins that they did because I very well would be raising my hand up with the people yelling at Moses and Aaron. No, absolutely. One of the things that I hear too, I hear them say, I would never be the one to say crucify Christ on that day. Uh, but bro, yeah. we probably would. Yeah, for sure. It says in verse 14, it says, from Kadesh, Moses then sent messengers to the king of Edom. Thus your brother Israel has said, the hardship that has befallen us and that our fathers went down to Egypt and we stayed in Egypt a long time and the Egyptians treated us and our fathers badly. But we cried out to the Lord. He heard our voice and sent an angel and brought us up from Egypt. Now behold, we are at Kadesh, a town on the edge of your territory. Edom, however, said to him, you shall not pass through us or I will come out with the sword against you. Again, the sons of Israel said to him, we will go up by the highway. And if I and my livestock do drink any of your water, then I will pay its price. Let me only pass through on feet, nothing else. But he said, you shall not pass through. And Edom came out against him with a heavy force and a strong hand. Thus Edom refused to allow Israel to pass through his territory. So Israel turned away from him. Now, when they set out from Kadesh, the sons of Israel, the whole congregation came to Mount Hor. This is what God said. He said that because you disobeyed me, you'll see what it's like for me to have my hand against you. You'll see what it's like for the God who supports you, the God who fights for you to be in opposition with you. Those are scary words, bro. And so you're seeing a God who is insulating them and protecting them, but he's also showing them what it's like for them to have his hand against them. And we just see an example of that here. And what are, does any thoughts come to your mind when you see 
like how God in, is it one in one sense protecting them, providing for them their physiological needs because manna is still raining from heaven. He's giving them water, but he's also blocking certain things and, and certain progress that they can make. They're not having access to that or, or having any success. And partially, I think that he may be refining the ones of the younger generation. They're going to be seeing this older generation being disobedient and dying off completely. A promise fulfilled by God. But it's pretty interesting how God still takes care of them. And it's a beautiful thing. But I think even in our life, when we stray off into sin, God's going to take care of us. But the road probably going to be bumpy. No, for sure, man. That's good. You even see that with Hagar and Ishmael. God told Abraham, hey, let them go. Listen to Sarah, but I'm going to take care of them. Like he's been doing that since day one. He's such a good God. As we continue to close this chapter out, you have the death of Aaron. And so it says, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron at Mount Hor by the border of the land of Eden, saying, Aaron will be gathered to his people, for he shall not enter the land which I have given to the sons of Israel, because you rebelled against my command at the waters of Meribah. Take Aaron and his son Eliezer to bring up to Mount Hor and strip Aaron of his garments and put them on Eliezer. So Aaron will be gathered to his people and he will die there. So Moses did just as the Lord had commanded. And they went up to Mount Hor in the sight of the people and he stripped the garments and he put them on Eliezer. And then Moses and Eliezer came down from the mountain. When all the congregation saw that Aaron had died, all the house of Israel wept for Aaron for 30 days. And bro, you see the fruit of disobedience, mourning, sadness. You see the people grieving their leaders. They know, look, if God is killing off our leaders, we're next. His word is going to come to pass. They've displayed unbelief at the highest level, and now they're paying for it blow by blow. And this has to be humbling. This has to hurt because when God is making an example of the leaders, you know that you're definitely not exempt. And that's how our two chapters in out. We see some of the greatest leaders dying who exhibit unbelief. They didn't trust God. They raised up against his hand. We saw that with Miriam. She was turned into a leper. We saw that with Aaron multiple times. And people we've grown to love and understand and know about are dying off. And we're about to get another generation, that second generation. What are some reflections that, that you take here regarding the character of God and how holy he is when just put yourself in the shoes of the congregation, you're seeing your leaders die off. You've seen majority of your crew rebel against God, and you know you won't enter the land. It's only really two responses, right? Repentance and worship, or to continue to rebel against God. It's easy to say what we think we would do, but how would you articulate being in the shoes of the congregation? I think about the next chapters we're coming up to, or the next book is Joshua. And I think he's creating in them, the Bible says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yeah. And so I think he may be creating some wisdom in the next generation. Man, that is so good. And even Moses isn't going to be able to enter because of his anger. 
And we see in James 1.20, it says that the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And we see the fruit of that. Because of anger, it affects Moses' ability to be a man of faith. Because Moses, even though he grumbled, he had a hard lot. He was leading two to three million people. And that even got on him and rubbed off on him. And so let's continue to be encouraged to be a people of faith, to understand that God fights for us, that he turns evil to good. And let's continue to see what unravels as we continue to walk through numbers.